This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 137-inch. On this week's episode, it's the exciting conclusion of our interview with longtime Weird Al drummer and historian John Bermuda Schwartz, all about the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour, and so much more. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al Podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al Podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al Podcast. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al Podcast. Whew. After last week, I am exhausted. Oh, boy. Me too, Dave. Now, as you and everyone listening knows... The majority of the shows on Weird Al's upcoming The Unfortunate Return of the Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Ill-Advised Vanity Tour went on sale to the general public on Friday. Yeah, on last week's episode, we mentioned that we spent a lot of time on the phone together planning out which concerts we wanted to go to next year. And after last week's episode aired, we spent even more time figuring things out. And you know what, Ethan? I think all that time that we invested up front paid off very well. Oh, and there were so many things that added to the stressfulness of last week. Uh, Dave, I was traveling for one of the on sales. I was going through security at an airport and and you covered (laughs) for me, you and UH Jeff did. So uh, there's a lot of stuff. But luckily for every show that we had planned to go to that had already gone on sale, we were able to secure tickets and Honestly, I'm really happy with all the the seats and locations we were able to get. We really made out great. Yeah, so as you mentioned, thanks to some help from some friends and thanks to some really good luck, we got a bunch of really good seats very close to the stage without having to go VIP, you know, except for, of course, the shows where we wanted to go VIP. And Dave, ever since the news dropped that Al was going on tour, Everyone has been asking us, which shows are we going to? And so we've hinted here or there, uh, you know, on our f- official Facebook group, and we've told a couple of people. But until we reveal which shows we actually are going to on a future episode, the big question is how many shows we're going to. All right. Well, Ethan, you know, I hesitate to give that number and our final list of shows because, well, as you know, and all of our listeners know, not all of the shows have been announced yet, and some tickets haven't gone on sale yet, and there's still, like, seven shows left to be announced, and, you know, we may still add others to our list, and... Oh, okay, okay, fair enough, Dave. I think they get it. I think we can share our numbers as of now, of course, just knowing what we know and knowing that they will change, we can just share our current numbers. Sure, okay, I think that's okay. I think that's fair enough. And, of course, keep in mind that this is only a snapshot of where we currently stand. So, obviously, between now and the end of the tour, things are bound to change multiple, multiple times. All right, so, Ethan, with all that in mind, how many shows are you planning to go to on the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour? Well, Dave, I'm planning to go to every single show that I can possibly make happen And so as of right now, I have 30 shows purchased and there's still five more I'm waiting for the venues to go on sale for. (laughs) That's crazy. That's insane. (laughs) 
That's like my level of touring, Ethan. <laughs> well, I learned from the best, Dave. And also, I'm younger than you. I've been tour chasing a lot shorter than you. So I really just have to make up for lost time and uh, get my overall number up there. <laughs> Plus, I'm just so excited about this tour, the different set lists every night. I only saw 10 shows on the original Vanity Tour, and I wish I could have seen more. So why not triple it? <laughs> yeah, that's one thing about this tour that's really cool is that every single show is going to have a different set list. And even if there is a show in the same city the next night, it's going to have an entirely different set list. So it's going to be a great show to see multiple, multiple different concerts on. Yeah, and as we saw tickets going on sale, some of the venues that have two shows in the same market they actually are selling two show tickets which i don't know if i've ever seen that before yeah i think that's new to this tour at least new for me for this tour that's it's one of the many different new observations i noticed about this tour which i'm sure we'll get to a little bit later all right dave so i said i'm doing 30 and i'm still waiting on five more to go on sale how many shows are you going to so okay so you've actually got me beat so far this tour so far, I've purchased tickets to 29 shows, and I'm still waiting for two more shows to go on sale. Wow! So, how many shows have you actually seen at this point? All right, so, as of the end of the Strings Attached tour, I have seen Weird Al in concert 195 times. Holy crap, Dave! <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so 195, you're going to 31. You are going to hit big number 200. Yeah, so if things do not change between now and May 7th of next year, my lifetime show number 200 will fall at the Saturday show in Medford, Massachusetts. And just to be clear, I know we've kind of discussed this off the air and, and we've talked to other people about it. I don't know if we've talked about it on the air, but when you say 200 shows or 195 lifetime shows as of this point you're not counting like the two shows where we saw al at the nightmare before christmas no no i'm not counting those at all those these are only actual tour days of a weird al tour that i'm counting so i'm sure if you counted the other ones <laughs> it's a lot higher <laughs> but still that's incredible and i don't have my number i feel like during the bonus episodes i may have known but i really just don't remember i think i'm somewhere between <laughs> like 50 and 60 i i don't know though <laughs> who knows I'll, i'm sure i'll figure it out uh in in due time but this will certainly be the most shows i've ever seen on tour since 18 was my previous record I'm glad that I get to share a lot of these shows with you to help bring your numbers up. Someday you'll catch me, maybe. <laughs> well, so I, I I don't think I will even get anywhere near 100 at this point, but where are you going to end up? Yeah, so if I do go to all 31 that I'm currently planning to go to, at the end of this tour, I will end up at 225 shows. Dave, you need to go to at least two more. <laughs> what are you thinking? Well, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. There's still a couple that need to be announced. That's and true. You never know. That's I mean, true. you never know. You never know what's going to happen. I may just decide to go randomly go to a show just for the heck of it. Well, yeah. You need to do it just to get up to 227. That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right. So overall, I mean, you mentioned that this was a very different ticket buying experience for a lot of different reasons. What were some of the observations that you noticed while you were purchasing tickets? They were going so fast. And I actually had a couple people 
uh, message me and, and say that Ticketmaster had crashed under the weight of all <laughs> these Weird Al shows going on sale. It was pretty incredible. Even the pre-sales, there were some earlier in the week. Even those were going fast. So I think people are just really excited to get out and see shows. And I think especially people are just so excited to see Weird Al and the band tour again. Yeah, after you know we did our whole ticket buying blitz, I did go through pretty much every venue to see just how ticket sales were going. And believe it or not, a few venues are already sold out or, you know, pretty close to selling out. So I think this tour is going to be pretty much a sellout by the time, you know, all the shows do get announced and by the time they do start the tour. Oh, absolutely. And I remember last time the Vanity Tour hit, it all sold out so fast that there was no like advertising in the market. So I remember I'd be in a market, I'd be wearing a Weird Al shirt, and people would be like, oh, Weird Al's coming? And they had no idea because there are no radio ads, there's no TV ads, there's no print ads because it was sold out already. So I, I yeah. feel like it's going to be the same kind of thing. People are just so psyched to see Al. Um, I mean, they are smaller venues, and... At the rate they sold, they probably didn't even need to do smaller venues. They probably could have sold out the big <laughs> venues. Yeah, well, it will be fun to see Al in a small venue because it is a lot more intimate. But yeah, I agree. They they easily could have sold out some of the larger venues as well. Now, Dave, one thing we did this year, which I don't know that we really did on Strings Attached or any of the previous tours, is we did some conference calls when big on sales were happening where we really wanted to score good seats. I remember, at least for one of the shows, it was you, it was me, it was our friend Adrian Vasquez, and it was UH Jeff. We were all on the phone, tag-teaming tickets. You know, one person <laughs> would put, like, we wanted six tickets all together, so one person went for six, one person went for four, one person went for two. Like, it was just, <laughs> it was like, it was really fun. <laughs> Usually ticket buying is just like, you're you're hunched over your computer all stressed out, but we, we made it like kind of a, a sport almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were some fun, you know, shows that we were, but it was pretty stressful, you know, more so this tour than I remember in the past. A lot of shows, pretty much all of them, you know, went on sale early during a pre-sale and it was really hard to find pre-sale codes and like none of the pre-sale codes were consistent between venues oh, no. and none of the times that the pre-sale started were consistent. I was constantly refreshing like browsers and just when is this going on sale? Sometimes, you know, it would just go on sale at like four o'clock in the afternoon. And you're like, well, who the heck does that? You know? Right. And, and for some of them, you got to actually go to a map and click on the seat you want. Some of them, you just had to click best available and just accept what they gave you. And you don't even know where they are, like if they're on the aisle or if they're all the way on the left or the right. So it was it was very confusing. So we, we had multiple tabs open and, and we're going, you know, we're trying to go to so many shows that sometimes shows would go on sale at the same time. Oh, but we did it, Dave. We survived. <laughs> and even though, you know, I bought my first ticket just over a week ago, I've already gotten quite a few of them in the mail already. So this is really exciting. They're very <laughs> acting very fast, sending me these tickets. I'm very excited about this upcoming tour. I know. And we still have like almost five months to wait before we actually get to go. So it's, it's so tough to have those tickets just staring in the face. <laughs> We will share a lot more about our upcoming plans for the tour as the tour gets closer. So make sure you pay attention. And we'd love to see as many of you as we possibly can out on the tour. Well, talking about all these tickets wasn't enough. 
I think it's now also time to talk about this week in Weird Al Related News. Our friend and past guest Chad Kelson, a.k.a. Metal Al, has finally released his long-awaited, overdue, obligatory Christmas album. That's right, the obligatory Xmas album contains metal covers of Weird Al's two Christmas-themed originals, Christmas at Ground Zero and The Night Santa Went Crazy. And there's a special third track. It's a cover of I'm a Little Kitty. It's a segment from the Weird Al show, and it features two very familiar voices. Well, let's take a listen to it right now. Well, Papa Bully, what would you like to do now? Get as far away from you as possible. Yeah, you stink! Well, now, hey, tell you what. I just wrote a brand new song. Ugh. Would you like me to play it for you? Slightly less than I'd like bamboo splinters under my fingernails. Dad, please, make him stop. don't recognize the voice of Papa Bully, that is our very own Dave Elvis Rossi. Yes, and our very own Ethan Ullman supplied the voice for Baby Bully. Be sure to grab the obligatory Xmas album and all the other incredible Metal Owl bums over at MetalOwl.Bandcamp.com And by the way, Dave, my Metal Al vinyl finally showed up. Yes, I got mine in the mail too, along with my obligatory Xmas album. Yes, how cool. So we received the parody album on vinyl, and uh, the special pre-order bonus was, of course, the physical edition of the obligatory Xmas album on CD. I'm so glad we pre-ordered that, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) I am too, and I'm so glad we finally got it. It is going to go into heavy rotation into my Christmas music playlist. Now, unfortunately, we've got some sad news to report. Monkey singer and songwriter Michael Nesbeth passed away last week at the age of 78. Michael and the Monkees have many connections to Weird Al, most notably with Weird Al opening for the Monkees in 1987, although Michael was not actually involved in that tour. The Monkees song Last Train to Clarksville was one of the go-to cover songs in rotation during the 2004 Poodle Hat Tour and was again later covered on the 2018 Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Ill-Advised Vanity Tour. Weird Al also played Michael Nesmith's cruising music video during Al TV Number 3, which originally aired on MTV way back on July 7th, 1985. And Michael Nesmith also produced the 1988 comedy film Tapeheads, which Al has a small cameo in as himself. And in a bit of fun trivia, Michael Nesmith's mother invented liquid paper, which of course Al mentions in the lyrics to his song, Dog Eat Dog. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, Gil and Chill in Peace, Michael Nesmith.
Ooh, you know what that noise means. That noise means we have a message on the 347 Spatula Hotline. Well, all right, it's time for our intern, Frank, to play that message. Hi, this is Jackson Scoggins and Jim Kimo West wishing you a Mele Kaliki Maka from San Pedro, California. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jackson and Jim Kimo West. And a very Merry Christmas in Hawaii to both of you, too. Hey, speaking of... This week in Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West-related news! Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West's annual live holiday show is coming up this Sunday, December 19th. Kimo will be performing selections from his two acclaimed holiday slack-key albums, as well as several other holiday classics. This show will be streamed live starting at 4 p.m. Hollywood Star Time or 7 p.m. Burrito Burrito Time. And tickets are available at JimKimoWest.com and they are only $15. Plus, with your ticket purchase, you get a 10% off coupon for any merchandise, including... Two brand new items, which Dave, I just got in the mail. So what a great opportunity to log on to JimKimoWest.com and purchase the new USB drive and tote bag and buy tickets to his holiday show. And speaking of this week, there's a very special day coming up. That would be Saturday, December 18th, because it's Grammy Award winning Jim Kimo West's birthday! Yay! From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al Podcast, happy birthday in Hawaiian to you, Jim Kimo West. Haole, la hanao. Hey, Ethan, you mentioned earlier that you were doing a lot of traveling. Well, I saw you post something very interesting over in our official Facebook group, group.2000inch.com. It looked like you traveled all the way to Albany, New York, and you visited Wizard Burger? That's right. I didn't go to Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, which is home of the two-pound double-wrapped in a quesadilla burrito burrito. I hopped on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, and I dare say beefy vegan burgers. They were delicious. Well, wherever you go, from Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger, I'm sure they will feed your hunger with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food always vegan style the only thing i regret dave is beforehand i didn't visit burritosquare.com and or wizardburger.com to order ahead i just had to wait a couple minutes well it sounds delicious did you bring me any uh well dave it's time for us to go back to our special tour related interview with john bermuda schwartz we played the first half last week and now we got the second half for everyone to enjoy Right now, let's pick up where we left off, already in progress. To go back to the health and safety of the band, let me ask, is there any kind of plan B or plan C if somebody in the crew or somebody in the band, you know, unfortunately would test positive for COVID or need to step off the tour for any reason? Is there a trained replacement on standby or is there any process in place for something like that were to happen? I don't, I don't think that's ever been a consideration unless... Unless we knew up front that somebody was had something to do, you know, that's the only time we would have someone lined up. If it came up spontaneously like that, uh, it's it's hard to say. I mean, ours is a high, you know, even Ruben, you know, is is highly trained for <laughs> the stuff we're doing. You can't 
you can't just bring in you know someone from the outside on on literally no notice i mean we can't even go in on no notice and we know this stuff uh you you can't bring in someone that doesn't know the songs at all and doesn't know the show at all you know doesn't know al's cues at all it's just it's not possible if if someone became sick and it was necessary to to separate them uh it couldn't be done right away yeah uh you know or or it would you know have to be done over one of our two-day breaks or something like that just to sort of get them semi up to speed uh it, whatever it is it's not going to be like us you know and that applies to the crew as well you know that it applies to whoever's doing sound or doing our monitors uh you know that would apply to melissa i mean it applies to everyone on the tour they're just not that easily replaced the only people that are uh, you know and i don't mean it to sound bad but the only people that can be easily replaced are the drivers because they don't have you know a, a dog in the show so to speak uh, you know, they just, they literally drive the vehicle and I hate to say it, but anybody can come out and, and drive the vehicle. Anyone with a, a CDL, you know, who, who, uh, you know, can be hired by the bus company to come out and step in and, and drive the vehicle. And that's happened a few times for different reasons. Right. If someone, you know, the drivers are a little, are a lot more dispensable than anyone in the band or crew. Uh, I don't know that with the exception of me, actually, it's me that that uh, on no notice uh, had to get a sub back in 2003, I think it was, when I got Bell's Palsy. And happily, Steve J's drummer, Pete Gallagher, uh, was out on the road as, uh, he, he was sort of, he was like one of the techs. He just kind of hauled gear and, and did stuff. And he was on the road and uh, a great drummer and sings as well. Hmm. And... And uh, he got. We were home on a four-day break, and I and I had this happen while I was home. And when I came back out, it was apparent after the first show, which was in Meadowbrook in uh, near Detroit. Uh, it was apparent after that show that my my hearing was just really. When when you get when I got Bell's palsy anyway, the uh, the muscles in your face just like go limp, and that includes. Uh, your ear muscles and and everything that sort of you know filters audio filters sound wow well the the uh, all the low end was just howling in my head I literally could not play and and or I, it was literally extremely extremely difficult to play and he was thrown in the next day you know I did one show and it's like I can't do this I need to take a, a short break and he was thrown in the very next day and I remember it was Rockford Illinois and and uh the guys all rehearsed the whole show with him, and I sat behind him for that show and a couple more, actually. Uh, I sat behind him and gave him the cues and all that, and he was just, he was nervous as heck. He just really, because he, he'd heard me play the drums, you know, he could hear the drum parts, but he didn't know all of my cues, all yeah. the cues I get from the video, count-offs, the tracks I listen to, you know, he just, he didn't know. So while he knew kind of what the audience heard, you know, he didn't know what I heard. So he knew the songs, but he didn't know the show. And mm. it took, and he was just, he was really nervous. And to his credit, he pulled it off. I mean, he's a really good drummer and, and he pulled it off. He did another night. I've got it in my, in, written down somewhere. And then there was, then I got back in the saddle for a bit. Oh, I remember. I think the next night after Rockford was uh, the, the Minnesota State Fair. That's only like 13,000 people. <laughs> and he, was, he was really, really nervous for that. 
he was real nervous. But because that's the most people he'd you know been in front of you know I'm sure ever. Wow. And uh, so that you know what that's the only time that's happened, and we didn't plan for it. Although happily, uh, he was on the tour. You know, if if he hadn't been, um, it's hard to say. I mean, I I would have really had to struggle uh, with with the show. You know, I, I mean, I probably would have done it. And I would have had to really struggle. Now, that was that was like a, you know, a physical thing, like a physiological thing. Uh, as far as COVID, if somebody you know just needs to be isolated, uh, it's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's a plan for that, and and I, you know, if there is, maybe we just need to have someone or you know two people or three people even that we could call who could be available on no notice to fly out. And, and step in, you know, maybe we will be asked to do that at some point. I, I don't really know. It hasn't come up yet. Uh, you know, I do actually have a few people, you know, for the drum chair that, that I would consider to, to come out and do it, you know, who would be up to the task. Actually, on this tour, they would just have to figure out what my charts are and, uh, you know, listen to a bunch of originals. And it'd be pretty straight ahead for them. They don't have to worry about count-offs or, you know, my peculiar mixes that I play to, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know when we're listening to to a video track or something. Uh, you know, they just play it as a band. So there are some really, I'll, I'll tell you who a couple of them are, in fact. Uh, you know, among the, the guys at the top of my list would be John Hernandez. John Hernandez, Johnny Vatos, was Oingo Boingo's drummer. Hmm. Forever. Oh, nice. Wow. And, and and still does an Oingo Boingo, uh, you know, former members of Oingo Boingo band. Cool. Uh, he he is a great drummer, funny guy. I think he can sing. And and uh, the guys would love playing with him. And he could come out and, and really nail this. Another guy uh, is uh, Greg Bissonette. Greg, among other things, way back, I met Greg many, many years ago, uh, and Greg's a very schooled, he played jazz and fusion. He's a great rock drummer as well. And he, I think he played with Maynard Ferguson way back. But he was, hmm. he sort of first became prominent when uh, David Lee Roth did his solo album. Uh, he was David Lee Roth's drummer. Very cool. And, oh, nice. uh, and then went on to do some other things. And for the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years or 12 years, he's been the other drummer on stage with Ringo Starr. Wow. So Ooh. that would be, you know, Greg Greg would be great to come out. He's a great guy and, uh, you know, very experienced and, and could certainly, you know, nail this stuff with, with just a little bit of guidance. So, you know, those are those are a couple of the guys. They're, they're probably at the top of my list to come out and replace me if I get a say-so. Now, if something terrible happens to me and I'm not conscious and, and you know, I fall off the the Empire State Building while we're in New York City, you know, and, and I don't I don't get to call my own replacement. You know I'm not sure what happens at that point, but uh, if if we're asked to line up some people, you know for for that possible phone call, you know I would I would check with them and see you know you know I would ask Greg you know is, is uh, Ringo going out in 22 you know because if not you know I might don't sit by the phone but you know just in case I might have a gig for you you know or same with uh with uh, vatos you know i i would uh i would i would prep them a little bit in advance that they might you know possibly get a call hopefully not now if yeah. something like that happens to al you know then then emo can come out and start singing you know <laughs> i mean that's, bermuda that's, uh, dave and i know all the lyrics i'll just put that out there we might be at the show anyway 
Well, you know what? That's true. You just you put the mic down in front of you guys, and you can just finish up the show. Oh, then we'd have to tell you what the. But then you'd know what we're doing in the show. Then you'd know the rest of the show. Darn it. We, we can wait. We'll, we'll, we figure we'll it figure out. We'll figure out. You know what? We could just call them out one by one. Yeah. So you just would have to tell us what the next song is. We already know it. Yeah. You know, or or uh, you know, or emo again. You know, it might be funny if emo came out. I was in a little <laughs> town called Albuquerque. <laughs> My snorkel. Actually, he could really I pull off Albuquerque. <laughs> oh, you know, it's already a long enough song. It's not without him stretching it out. Oh, God. That's the whole show. It's just him singing Albuquerque. It's just emo sings Albuquerque while the band falls asleep. <laughs> no, you don't want that. You know what? Let's let's hope that nothing happens that necessitates yeah. us making any kind of changes. Yeah. And uh, you know, we're we're all going to exercise uh, caution so that uh, that doesn't become an issue. And and again, you know, with with the after show with with our personal guests, I think it's certainly going to be limited, if not just going away uh, altogether. You know, at least this time, at least until things get better yeah. out there. Yeah. Because we don't know who's who. You know, really, I mean, a, honestly, a negative test and a vaccine, proof of vaccine is by itself is not completely exonerate anyone from passing something along. One way or the other, I mean, whether it's to us or from us, if, yeah. if you know, yeah. someone's got something, you know, so we, we just, we don't want to, we don't want to have that be an issue. So we're going to take whatever precautions those are. And I don't know what they are at this point, but, uh, you know, we, we cannot be too careful. Absolutely. Right. Is there anything else that we didn't ask you about the tour that you can tell us, Bermuda? Uh, I think Ruben, you know, of course it's all about Ruben. Yeah. Isn't it? I think, I think Ruben has let his hair go white. Oh. And, and therefore, so he looks a little like Tito Puente. If you, <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, as an older Tito Puente, uh, you know, which, which honestly, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not 40 years old anymore. Uh, you know, he's, he's, when, when he, he would dye his hair and, and it would look, I mean, it would just be like jet black. I mean, it just, it really just didn't look natural at all. I mean, people don't expect older guys or, or women to have completely their original hair color. I mean, it's just not, yeah, it's not natural. It looks worse than if you just go natural and and uh he actually looks perfectly fine you know with with uh silver or white hair and there's a couple of sp sprigs I, I saw him not too long ago actually and there's just a couple of sprigs of black in there still but i think when people see him up there they're gonna realize he's been dying his hair all these years <laughs> uh not not, not 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 that he's the only one uh, not me, of course, but uh, there was that one one tour where Steve showed up with like red hair or maroon hair. I don't I don't remember right, what that yes. was about. <laughs> and uh, uh, but basically everyone's everyone's just gone. You know, they look the way they're supposed to look. But yeah. I think Ruben's going to be the most obvious. That's going to be the most obvious change. And, and you know, and I'm sure some of the fans are going to go, "Wow, we saw you just three years ago, and your hair was black. What happened?" <laughs> and and the 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 fact is, it's been transitioning to white for for many many years. Yeah. As as have all of ours. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, if I had any hair at all, I would probably dye it. But you know, there's, <laughs> I, I, I've got two two issues with that. So, you know, my my hair is going gray, but it doesn't really matter. It's just you know, now it's all skin colored. <laughs> uh, but other other than that, I don't think there's. Uh, I don't think there's anything, you know, I, I am planning, uh, oh, I'm planning on having different drums uh, out. Oh. You know, they will they will probably sound the same. I hope they sound as good or better. Uh, but I, I'm planning on bringing a different uh, set of drums out. It's, it's a new set of drums for the company, for Ludwig, and uh, it's a new finish. And that I think is, uh, uh, I've actually been gigging with it in town a little bit, and uh, the the other musicians and some of the people in the audience have uh, commented on, on how cool they look and how great they sound. Wow. So I'm, I'm uh, planning on great. bringing those out uh, on tour. Uh, so that'll be a little bit of a change for me. Uh, I think Ruben is getting a new keyboard. Wow. I believe he's getting, getting a new, Ooh, uh, great. a new model of a Kurzweil. He's waiting for it right now. What about your bass drum? Are you going to have a, a special graphic? Yeah. I, I don't know. I'll I'll add, you know we were we were almost going to do that for strings attached, and uh, I came up with a concept and I think I ran it by Al and and at some point, you know, well into the tour and and obviously no artwork on the bass drum head. I think he finally asked, so what became of your your uh, you know brilliant idea? <laughs> and uh, I just said I I, don't, I, I, I I didn't have the sixty five bucks to do it or whatever. I you know I just. I think I think I just sort of gave up on it. And now that we've done a couple of tours with uh, just a plain head on the front, you know, I'm not averse to just having that. We don't really have a, a logo is is the thing. I mean, it's not like an Alapalooza tour. I had a big silhouette of Al's dinosaur right, head, for right. example. And, and for Bad Hair Day, of course, it said the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's, there's a story that's a that's a whole show by itself actually that that's a very quick story and i'm going to tell you that one real quick we were rehearsing for uh for that tour in 96 or 97 i guess we went out i forget and and uh i think al and jim and i were standing around and al says uh what what are you going to put on the bass drum head this year because i traditionally had had something on the bass drum head for i think almost every tour and I said, uh, I God, I, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. And Jim says, How about the Beatles? <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> that's, that's that's how that came about. That was so a that short was story. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. Maybe that's a short show, not a whole show. <laughs> um, and then there've been a few more, of course. You know, there was there was the demon from El Apocalypse was was on my bass drum head. That was my favorite. Of course, I still have all these bass drum heads. Yeah. You know, they're, they're uh, you know, a lot of fun stuff. But the last few tours have been without artwork. And uh, this tour really doesn't have a, a logo per se. I mean, you know, we could look at that sort of yellow, you know, uh, uh, distressed lettering, you know, the, the <laughs> cracked block lettering. Yeah. And you put that on there and it's just, it becomes so small you can't even really read it. It just becomes sort of a yellow and brown blob. So I don't think that's the answer. There's really not... There's really not a thing that we can put on there that would be recognized from, you know, from, you know, hundred feet away or something like that. So I don't know. You know, that's kind of that's almost an afterthought. If that sort of comes up in March or April, just before we leave, I can do it. And if not, I you know that's okay. Well, Dave and I we actually came up with a list of 
different ideas for what it could be. Oh, so oh. I'll start. The okay, f- I'm all ears. All right, the first one that we're thinking is a picture of our faces. A picture or like the drawing, like the illustration on the on the website. Yeah, of of Dave and Ethan. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you meant a photograph. Jeez, God, no. But yeah, the drawing. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Okay, next. The the next one would be our logo, the Dave and Ethan's two thousand inch Weird Al podcast logo. Okay, that's sort of yeah. People they'll they'll be able to read that. Okay, all right. We, we're and? we're thinking one where it just says intern Frank with a big X over it. Well, see now, people then are going to think that they're seeing the band X. Oh, okay, okay. They're going to want <laughs> us to do adult books and white girl and stuff like that. Uh, no, I don't think that's uh, you know I know the drummer from X, uh, Don Don DJ Bonebreak, Don Bonebreak, who uh, that's his real name. Don, and uh, he sub, he sub, he subs for me. He subs for me with Rip Masters. Oh, really? Well, I've been playing with Rip Masters since 1981, since shortly after I met Al. Wow. And uh, and he's he's the main sub when I'm on the road. Uh, he you know, and he's not working with X at the time. Uh, he comes in and does Rip's gig, so that's very flattering for me to be replaced by him. But yeah, I don't. You know, people are gonna they're gonna think that that. I stole the drums from him or something. That's maybe. true. Because he's also a Ludwig guy. He's That's a Ludwig true. artist now. So, you know, they, oh, he's got DJ's drums. Great. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's okay. All right. All right. So the next one would be Gill and Chill. You know, our Gill and Chill artwork. That That's kind of fun. That's Weird Al related. Oh, okay. All right, Gill and Chill. Got it. Okay. One, it just it's just your face. Oh, God, no. That would just... <laughs> Well, not, not an illustrate a, a drawing, not a photo, right? Not a, you, not an actual photo. Yeah. Well, what about a Funko Pop figure of Bermuda as the oh, drummer? oh, there you go. Yeah, I bet they'll start making Bermuda figures then, when everyone around the <laughs> around the North America starts ordering them. Start sending in pictures pictures of the bass drum and say, "Can you make this?" What if the <laughs> bass drum just says? Black and white and weird all over. What a stupid thing to say. What, a, what does that mean? What is black and white and weird all over? What the hell is that? Oh, that's my book. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Al wants me to promote my book in every show. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I think uh, he'll he'll like he'll enjoy that. Yeah. Although you know what, the drum set is black and white, and weird all over. It's a black and white kit. Oh. It's black and, black and white and gray, so it would actually. You know, there's not going to be almost any color up there on my riser except for me and my symbols. Uh, everything's going to be silver or or uh, chrome or white or black or gray. It's going to be very monotone, which is kind of cool because the drums will pick up the lighting. They'll pick up the lighting nicely. Yeah. Instead of being a certain color, and then you you, know, you take a blue sparkle kit and then put a, a red red light on it, and it just sort of looks weird. But you put a red light on a black and white kid it turns red put a green light on it turns green put a blue light blue yellow light yellow etc etc so it's a very dynamic no very dynamic and i used to use all white drums back in the day i mean way back i always had a a white or at least a light colored kit and it always picked up the lights really nicely so black and white and weird all over that's it would sort of go it's sort of a little self self self-serving perhaps weird al's in the book i don't know he's in the book he's He's in the book. He is and he isn't. He's, <laughs> well, 
No, no, that's too deep. Uh, no. Yeah, I, I don't see because then, then people are going to expect to buy the book at the show. You know, it's oh, he's advertising the book. We'll go out to the merch table and buy the book. Yeah, actually, actually, that's not a bad. You idea. should sell it. That'd be great. That's, that's not. That's not a bad idea. No, but you know what? Yeah, it's you know. No, not nothing too personal like that. It's it's got to be a little more generic. All right. Like if I put your pictures on there, you know, the, he can't argue with that because that has nothing to do with the band. You know, it's not like it, it's not like any one of us is benefiting from that. You know, it's right. like you know, you're two guys that, that you know are probably our biggest fans and and love what we do and and dig people out of the woodwork for these podcasts every week. I mean, people we don't even know. Uh, <laughs> People, people who have said they did something and they didn't, you know, there's, there's after, after the 2000th show, I'll tell you who they are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but for now, I'll just let you think about it. Yeah. You know, maybe just a white head so it can pick up the different colors of the lights would be a good thing. Or what if it's glow in the dark and it says weird Al. So like when the lights are on it, it like lights up and says weird Al. I don't know. We'll keep thinking. No, we'll keep no, thinking. Oh, no. <laughs> now, no, you know what? Some some of that like light, that iridescent paint. Yeah. That's like light light green, and just have that on there, so it's kind of not really visible. But then when the lights go out, it just glows. Weird Al. That'd be cool. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that'd be very cool. Of course, that would get annoying after the first time. <laughs> what if you did a hundred and thirty-three different bass drum heads, and it's just different every night? <laughs> oh boy that's that would keep me busy just changing heads. <laughs> you gotta collect them all i can't i can't come up with one idea let alone 133 <laughs> all right well get no, back to us if you... you know it's yeah I'll, I'll i'll give i'll give it some thought i you know honestly i hadn't really thought about it i'm, I'm kind of you know relegated to to just going with what i've been doing which is you know these days just a plain white head all right, well, is there anything else going on in Bermuda's universe that's not tour-related at this point? Is there any new books in the works, for example? A new book? Yes, there is. Wow! As a matter of fact. Great! <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, yeah, I almost forgot. I've been talking about this stinking tour so much. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm working on a book that will probably, hopefully, come out during the tour. Wow. Uh, you know, a little later Ooh. in the tour, hopefully. Uh, yeah, we, we are, uh, based on the, uh, well, I don't want to call it success, but no, no, you know, honestly, black and white and weird all over was a successful book, uh, continues to sell. Wow. We're, we're very, very happy with how it's, how it's done and how it's doing. And we are, uh, working on another book. Uh, we have a cover, we have a title, uh, Ooh. and it will be, uh, my color photos, my color film photos. Uh, of Alan and the band and, and other stuff. And it will expand not only uh, uh, year-wise, where the other book was a very narrow period, I just shot black and white. Yeah. This will be the entire time that I shot film on Al, uh, which started literally at the happy birthday session uh, in January 1981. Wow. And I think the last photos on film that I have of him were from the Straight Outta Linwood uh, photo shoot in 2006. So that's wow. the that's the period, and also because I didn't shoot black and white on the road, there are color road photos. Uh, there's more studio photos. There are color video photos. Uh, there are color video photos of videos that weren't even in color. Uh, 
Wow. Such as Bedrock Anthem, for wow. example. Cool. Uh, and and uh, some of these, uh, not, not some, probably uh, uh, several of these photos that we're considering have been seen online, but a lot of them were posted at a time when... Uh, when internet speeds were a lot slower, everyone was still on dial-up back in the 90s. Uh, uh, screen resolution was, you know, if you were, if you had 800 by 600, you were like, you were styling. That was huge, <laughs> you know. So, so the photos were, were really tailored. They were really kind of, I hate to say dumbed down, but they were compressed to the point where they would be okay at those speeds and size-wise would look okay on, on a you know 800 by 600 screen. So if a photo was 400 by 300 and it was crunchy, you know, it just, it loaded fast and it took up 25% of your screen and it looked pretty good. Well, now a 400 by 300 photo that's crunchy is just, is useless. It's tiny. Yeah. And so a lot of those kind of photos that have been seen, now they're going to be seen on a nine by 12 page, uh, nice and clear, nice, you know, not compressed, uh, full frame, um, not not crunchy. You know they're going to look really good as, you know, uh, as as the black and white and weird photos. You know the few of those that had been out before online, they looked a lot better. You know in in print, of course. That's what this book uh, will be about, and uh, so you know, and there'll be a lot of photos that have not been seen. So I've got about eight hundred photos that are uh, are being sorted through right now, and. Uh, you know, to, to pick out, I don't know how, how many, two, three hundred, four hundred, I don't know, but they're going to have to cut it down a little bit or it's going to be a giant book, uh, <laughs> which, which might be okay. But, uh, there's, there's a lot of really, really good photos to choose from. And I would say most of them have not been seen cool. and none of them will have been seen in the quality wow. that, uh, that they will appear in. So, I mean, it's going to be a very, very cool book. Uh, you know, it's, and, and the, again, those familiar photos that are in there are going to look a lot better, uh, than, than they do on your screen. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Or even in, yeah. in, uh, you know, anywhere else those photos have appeared, if not online, they've been taken from prints, mm -hmm. not the, not the dead artist, yep. but you know, like a, a <laughs> you know, a photo print, like a, like a, a, a four by six, you know, photo paper. And, uh, they, they, uh. You know, as much as I've tried to clean them up, you know, whether it was for the authorized Al or the uh, booklet in the in the squeeze box set, whatever those were, were all taken from prints. And, and again, they look pretty good. These are going to look a lot better. These are, I've, I've AB'd uh, my scans against those prints and look at them and it's just like, man, the fans are going to love these. Wow. It's just, there's, there's more detail. Wow. The density is better. They're crisper. Uh, the color is going to be better. Um, in some cases I had cropped the photos and maybe they won't be cropped this time. Um, you know, there's, and, and then again, there's a ton of stuff that hadn't been seen at any rate, long story short, new book, hopefully out in 2022, <laughs> all color, uh, from, from wow. my all color film on Al, uh, and trying not to duplicate anything that's been out in the other book. Right. So while I have, you know, there's a chapter on Eat It, of course, uh, in, in the first book, well, there will be some Eat It uh, photos, but they won't be like the other photos. It's not going to be, oh, here's Al doing this. Now here's the color version of it. It, I, I'm trying, you know, it's like I'm trying to do different photos. Yeah. Uh, like completely different. Wow. Uh, 
you know, a, a different shot altogether. Not just, you know, you've seen the black and white now, you know, spend another 35 bucks and see the color. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to do that. It's, they will be different photos. And again, you know, much longer period of time and a, a lot of other stuff on the bus, you know, in, in restaurants, backstage, uh, you know, there'll be shots that I've, you know, shot of Al from behind the drums, you know, with the audience. Oh, in front of wow. Him. Cool. Sometimes it, sometimes he's turned around to look at the camera, sometimes not. Sometimes he doesn't know, you know, I've taken the picture until it's too late. Uh, it's it's going to be really, really cool. And it was really Very cool, cool. Oh. going through all the photos. How exciting. Uh, you know, to, yeah. So it's, it's uh, I, I can't tell you the name of the book yet, but we do have a name. We got a cover. Uh, and we got 800 photos to choose from. So we're, we're on our on our way. Now, Bermuda, when, when you say 800 photos, is that the total number of color photos you took, or is that just the ones that you've whittled it down to to then choose your favorites? Yeah, and it and it was hard getting it down to 800. Wow. Uh, no, I've got about, on film, uh, I think I've got a total of about 4,500, maybe 5,000 frames wow. on Al. <laughs> wow. Uh, that, that, from, from my camera, and that's just on film, that's not, you know, when I started shooting digital, you know, it's an interesting thing when I started going through and scanning all of my color negatives, uh, you know, in this year when we had a lot of time to ourselves, uh, I, I discovered some things. I, I started seeing photos, you started seeing, uh, frames and it's like, this, this is digital. I shot this on digital. Why do I have film as well? Hmm. And I realized when I got, I realized I was shooting digital and film at the same time. And my first digital camera was a little Sony. It was a DSC uh, one, I think, digital still camera one. And it was a little. It was a six hundred dollar camera, and the resolution was six forty by four eighty. Wow! Which again, wow. in nineteen ninety seven, <laughs> when I got that camera, that was that filled up your screen. So it was like, what what's not to like, right? Now six forty by four eighty is is pretty small. Uh, but but I had. For example, when we shot, and, and these photos will be in there, when we shot uh, th- that sort of mock unplugged promo commercial <laughs> for VH1, yeah, you know where we did the loungy versions of, <laughs> yeah. of uh, you know, like a surgeon or whatever it was, uh, we and, and eat it and stuff. Uh, there's there's a classic classic photo of Al with short hair, a nice yep. close-up. <laughs> well. I, I think the one that's been out there was was the one I shot digitally, not probably not the one that I did on film. And I compared them. I compared, and it's just night and day. Obviously, a six forty by four eighty digital shot next to a nice clean full res, you know, film. Yeah, it's just it's night and day. It's just I'm telling you, everyone's going to love these. They're going to go nuts. You know, that actually would have been a pretty cool cover, except it looks nothing like Al. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, people are like, what is we, this? <laughs> you're right. No, we went with, uh, and, and the, uh, the span of time that I shot film with Al, you know, went through his LASIK uh, period, you know, so there's, I have a lot of photos of him, you know, with just the longer hair and without the glasses and mustache. Mm-hmm. And we opted though, as, as many people gravitate towards Al's old look, you know, so, so the, the bushy hair, the glasses and the mustache, that's just what people think Al looks like, uh, you know, as, as a rule, yep. you know, fans come to the shows, you know, dressed up like Al, 
90% of them come looking like that. You know, that's the classic owl look. So that's the look we went for for the cover. That's that's the photo we chose was was uh, from that era, was from the pre-98 era, I guess. Yep. I think he got LASIK at the beginning of 98. Yeah. Wow. Uh, this is so exciting. That's so, <laughs> so exciting. Yeah. How do you bring 5,000 pictures, how do you narrow that down to 800? That that is an incredible task. <laughs> well, it was it was really easy to get it down to about fifteen hundred. I mean, there were just there were a lot of duplicate photos. There were some blurry photos. Mm, there were mm-hmm. you know you know things that just were were uh, you know just wouldn't look good you know or weren't necessary. Uh, but I, there were a lot of photos that that I think need to be seen, and I had a really really difficult time getting it down that far, and. So I submitted uh, all the photos to uh, to the guys, you know, basically in, in order for, you know, to help me sort of weed some out because I was having trouble. And nobody would help weed anything out. They said, no, nope, they're all good. <laughs> and, and, I, and, and I thought, well, you know, Al, Al certainly isn't going to like all of these. I mean, and I gave, I gave, I think it was 800 and, I think 854 photos I sent to Al. And he, he pulled like five of them uh, for, for whatever reason out of, out of all of those, he could only find five, you know, and I'm sure he tried really hard. You know, he's like, well, I, you know, I, I don't, you don't have to use these if you don't want kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, great. Well, that didn't help at all either. So I was able, honestly, I was able to get it down. I went through and I made some really, really, really hard decisions and just went through and, and knocked out about another 50. So I literally, I think Jeez. it's 797 photos wow. that I just, I'm, I'm stumped. I, I can't pull any out anymore. And now the publisher has got uh, Shane and Desiree Lewis uh, are, are married. Then they're, they're big Al fans. And they went through and they sorted out all the photos for their first book, did a great job. They picked all the right photos. Mm-hmm. So they got like a fan perspective on it as well yeah and uh and they're in the process uh this week they will start sorting through all of those now that the cover is done uh they'll begin working on the content and they'll know what's more appealing you know than i will or than al will uh, so I'm, I'm leaving it up to them to bring that way down i don't know how how far they can do it i mean it's it's not just a question of well if you got 800 photos just print more pages right well it's not quite that simple yeah well, it is that simple, but then you wind up with a with an eighty dollar book, <laughs> and I don't know if if uh, you know after this other book, especially being you know online for for thirty percent off its thirty five dollar price, uh, you know I don't know if anyone's going to jump in and, and get on board with a much more expensive book. We want to try and keep it, and I think we will be able to keep it, you know, in, in the price range of the first book, and uh, you know, so I'm going to leave it up to Shane and Desiree to go through and and really pick out the most powerful pictures and uh but they're all good i mean they're all really really good you know if need be at some point later in life i can self-publish the other ones or something and just you know here's a here's a pamphlet with uh you know (laughs) with with the rest of them you know uh with the color film do you show up in more of the photos or is it kind of like the black and white where it's mostly you're not in them no, I'm in more of the photos because, and particularly on the road and in the studio, because I had everyone else around me taking pictures. Okay. Uh, and and they will, I mean, and, and you know, I'm going to have to give some blanket credits. You know, thank you to 
to, uh, you know, Jim and Steve and Al and Ruben, you know, and the various crew members who held my camera and took my pictures. Uh, you know, I, I, there's going to have to be some pictures of me in there. That's the best I can do. Now, there are no pictures other than the ones I took, no pictures of us on stage, and the ones of us on stage are from behind the drums. Right. So they're going to be, obviously, my perspective mm -hmm. as well. But they're all from my camera. It's all my film. They're all my photos. And, and uh, you know, I will credit as as uh, needed. But, yes, there will be more of me, more of the guys. Uh, you're going to see crew people in there. There's uh, uh, some photos of uh, Dr. Demento. Oh, uh, nice. You know, we did the first couple of first couple of tours with him. Yeah. Not that he Very wouldn't cool. be not that he wouldn't be in there, but you know, it's it's not just Al and it's not just Al and the band and it's not just Al and the band and the crew. It's it's, you know, it's Al and the band and the crew and Dr. Devento. Too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're go we're it's really a stretch. It's great. That's awesome. No, it's it's going to be uh, you know, you really get a, a much better sense uh, of what we do because it's going to be life on the road. There's going to be more of us in the studio. There's going to be more kind of casual photos of us. There's a couple of photos I pulled uh, from Al's wedding back in 2001. I think he got married. Cool. Um, that that may have been, I don't know if they were ever on the website or, or what, but again, they will be in better quality than yeah. anybody's ever seen them before. How fun. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of work to... Uh, because I haven't I haven't retouched the photos yet. I I learned the first time I retouched like 500 photos, sent them in, and then found out that only 200 <laughs> plus were being used. I'm like, gone it! I did all this work. So now, and especially with 800, uh, you know, I I just I I, you know, I don't have that much time in life to do that. Although looking back, if I just done that right up front when I sent them in the, in the first place three months ago or something, I probably would be done by now, and it wouldn't make a difference. But uh, I, the idea is once once they uh, select the photos, whatever it is, you know, 250, 350, whatever, uh, at that point, I then start uh, working on stuff. And I hope it's not too close to the tour because it's going to be, yeah. my life's going to be hell, yeah. you know, for a while. And then beyond that, beyond just working on the photos, uh, I, I think, I'm not sure if I'm going to caption each photo or, or what. I had... Only one what would be considered a negative comment on the book, and that was, you know, that they loved the book, but they they just, you know, they wish I would have captioned the photos. You know, I wish wish they would have, that I would have explained a little more about what was going on in some of those photos. So I thought, well, that's not unreasonable, although that's, and I don't mind working hard, but, you know, that's also going to be a little repetitive. Here's me and Al in the studio. Yeah. Here's me and Al in the studio some more. Here's me and Al, same studio. Here's the studio and me and Al in, in it. Right. On the same day, wearing the same clothes, maybe recording a different song, but I don't really remember. The person with the negative comment, they need to listen to our black and white and weird all over bonus episode series where you literally talk about every single picture in the book. In extensive detail, so I would just send well, them the true. link. <laughs> you know what? I'll go. I'll go on Amazon and I'll I'll add that to their uh, review. <laughs> say, by the way, if you want to, if you want to hear from the author himself, yeah, you know, a, a blow by blow of every picture in that stinking book, <laughs> then you better you better go here and uh, <laughs> and don't say I didn't warn you. If you see that pictures on my bass drum. You'll know that you'll know that, they paid for, that they paid for the head. <laughs>
Well, we trust that you know in in due time we will hear all about the book, the title, the the cover, release date. I'm sure you will share that with us when the time is right, and we we really look forward to diving in even deeper. Well, I, I absolutely will, and uh, you know, and and I'm, I look forward to uh, talking about every stinking picture in this new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bermuda, we can't let you go just yet because we recently had insane Ian Bonds on the podcast and he revealed something pretty stinking majestic about his Me, Myself, and I Weird Al tribute album in that there is a song on there, a cover of, a quote-unquote cover of Dog Eat Dog by a Mr. Mac Hine and the Stupid Jerks and he revealed that that was really you and Al. Can you tell us about that? What is the whole story there? Oh. I'm sorry he did. I just told him that. <laughs> <laughs> just to see if it would get out. No, I don't I don't I don't know who did that. I I kid, I kid. Uh, I uh, Yes, that that was me and uh it wasn't deliberately Al, but it was Al by virtue of the fact that was the music on that was his demo to us, to the band, of Dog Eat Dog. You know, he gives us his recording of it. Here's what I want it to sound like. Actually, I I think I had programmed the drums on that, or maybe I had taught him how to program the drums, but that was my drum machine on that. Okay. And uh, Mac Hine. Oh, it spells machine. Yeah, that was just something funny I sent it. And I don't... I don't even know if I told him at the time that was me. I think I completely... Oh, he didn't know. I think I sent it. He did not he know. He didn't know even then. I, I don't think... And I think what happened was, I think I had this whole thing set up like I was this guy from Chicago, or from Chicago area, and I had... I sent... Uh, I probably sent the recording to Mike Hoffman in Chicago <laughs> and uh, with a letter and, and had him... Uh, you know, post with some kind of, I don't know what address he used, but you know, had him forward that and, and really just set it up so it couldn't be connected to me. But that was, that was Al's demo. And that was a, uh, I think I did it in, in the, uh, it was then by SoundForge software called Acid, which is sort of a garage band, kind of a program for Windows. Okay. And, and I think I probably did it in Acid and, and, uh, chopped up, recorded, uh, uh, you know, text-to-speech audio, really bad audio on, on my, uh, you know, probably a Windows program, and and chopped it up so it would sort of fit, you know, the, 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 the rhythm of the song, although obviously there's times where it doesn't, there's times where it really conflicts. But I was able to, I don't know if I've still got the original script I wrote, but I was able to get it to, to have inflections <laughs> and do some different stuff depend, depending what I type. Like I think if I was if I put in some, uh, you know, some periods like an ellipsis, you know, the three dots. I think it would give it a pause. Or uh, if, okay. If I put okay. in a comma, it would give it a pause. Or if I put in a, I I, I learned kind of how to tweak it, but I I never it wasn't my intention, and I was never able to get it to be melodic. I mean, it was supposed to sound like a computer-generated voice, and that was the that was the idea. So, so the more sterile it sounded, the better. But as far as the the rhythm of the of the speech, I, I was able to tweak that somewhat, and then I chopped it up in acid and and uh, you know laid it out against the track, and uh, it's just very 
very, very, very proud of it. And unfortunately, the machine used on that, and it was my very first drum machine. It was a Yamaha RX-11. And it was like $800 back in 1985. And it does what a free app now does right, on your phone. Right. <laughs> and not even as well. Uh, it was. It had a certain a certain feel, a certain choppy feel, you know, worse than mine on drums, actually. And and so the, the song just sounds a little bit choppy. It just sounds really amateurish and really kind of homemade. And, and that's not, uh, you know, anything to say about what Al did. That's the machine. That's just the, the drum part is just really kind of herky-jerky on that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I thought, you know, this will sound really, really homemade. Nobody would ever guess that it's Al or that it had come from me. And I, I must have told him about it. I'm sure I told him about it. Uh, you know, or I'm sure at some point he, he may got a copy of the CD and he said, listen, listen to this. This sounds suspiciously like my demo. You know, he, 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 cert, he, he may have brought it up to me. But uh, no, Ian didn't know anything about it. I don't think anybody knew anything about it. And the guy whose picture, I even created a little website for it back on the day it was back like on GeoCities or something, which is long, right. long gone. Yeah. <laughs> and and I put but I put a picture up of of the drum machine uh of of a Mac I got some clip art of like a Mac 2 or something Apple 2 or something like that and and I put a picture of my brother-in-law on there as Mike Mike Hine <laughs> who goes by the the name Mac Hine for machine <laughs> And, and and wrote this little story about oh you know I'm I'm this big fan and I I sent in a, a recording and you know that I I did on my computer and and Ian picked it for the album I'm really excited you know kind of thing <laughs> and just sort of left that there left that on you know it has a couple of links to some other things in it I think to Ian's site at the time which is long gone also yeah and uh, but anyway I put I put it back up on my website if anyone's interested and I need to. Did Ian give you the the address of it? Yeah, it's bermudaschwartz.com slash machine. Okay, good. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's just it exists as it did then. The links don't work. There's there was a sample of the song that I guess I had posted and that's that's not there anymore. But just so people can see what it was. And uh <laughs> that'll just live there until until I die or until the hosting runs out, I guess. So great. Now, what was your thought process in using Dog Eat Dog? I'm guessing you had so many demos you could have chosen from. Why did you pick Dog Eat Dog? You know, that's that's uh, that was one of my favorite songs on that side of the album. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just, uh, maybe I thought it would sound funny with, with a computer voice. I don't remember. You're right. I mean, I have I have a ton of other Al demos that, that could have been used. Um I don't know. Um, I think at that time that was just, uh, and it was well after the song was out, obviously. Uh, I think that's just what I thought would be fun. It didn't sound overly professional. Uh, you know, it just, it sounded very homemade and it was, it was homemade circa 1986. You know, that's just what, what our technology was at the time. Hmm. Um, so I I think that's why I chose it. And I, again, I, I, I guess I thought it would just be funny you know, would, would translate well in that voice. And, and it did. <laughs> it did. I, you know, I, I, st- I, I still listen to it and it's like, you know, it's, it's, it sounds amateurish and, and deliberately. So, I mean, if I was to do <laughs> yeah. that today 
and and tried to make it sound good, I mean, it could sound a lot better. You know, I could certainly line up and and make uh, the vocals fit the music a lot better. But I just thought it was cool to leave it a little bit, you know, rough. And and that was, you know, so to speak, dog eat dog, rough. (laughs) And and, uh, see, I'm funny. You know, I'll tell you, I'm the funny one in this project. (laughs) Al's funny. Al's funny. I'm also funny. I'm very funny. Funny guy. Funny, funny Bermuda. Uh, Anyway, no, I just just thought that would be a cool... uh, a cool way to, to work that. And I think it turned out cool. I don't remember at what point I told Ian, but I, again, <laughs> I, I think I let it slip at some point and nobody seemed to care. I never saw any mention of it or anybody <laughs> going, wow, that was you. Oh, wow. Oh, oh you had us fooled. I mean, nobody said anything. Like, well, you know, people, people have forgotten or they don't care or they're mad because I fooled them or whatever it is. And, and, uh, I, you know, I just, so it just sort of went by. And in chatting with him again recently, I think he brought it up and, and wanted to know more about it. Because, uh, I mean, I guess obviously at some point I had told him. But, uh, yeah, in the beginning, no, he, he didn't know. And it was just, and uh, I think, I don't remember if I bought or if he just automatically sent me a CD of that. But, of course, I have, have a copy of it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in, in the archive. Uh, you know, for yep. for Al or or Nina someday, and uh, you know that's uh, just one of those kind of cool <laughs> things. You know, I I snuck in on one of Al's you know, tribute <laughs> album things. Very cool. Now, were you ever concerned at all that that track might not have made the final cut of the CD? <laughs> you may have chosen not to pick that one. You know what? It never it never occurred to me that he wouldn't like it. <laughs> not that I thought it was not that I thought it was great. I just was thinking, you know, how many possible things can he get? He's going to need them all. Right. And uh, I I mean, if he hadn't chosen it, I I uh, I think I had sent it to Doctor Demento. I think that was the order it went in. Oh yeah. Was I I think I don't I don't remember, but I think Doctor Demento played it. Maybe maybe as a result of, of Ian's CD, mm-hmm. or maybe it was the other way around. I don't recall which. But I'm thinking I'm thinking I probably got it to Ian anonymously, and then it went from there, rather than if if I got it to Dr. Demento, I probably would have had to tell him it was me. And then Ian, yeah. I think, I think Ian got it first. It's very clearly the standout song on the album. It's like all, oh, not that the other songs aren't good, but it's like when you hear that album, that one is extra special. And I mean, there's a reason for that, you know, now knowing, but I, I'm curious for when else would send you a demo, was there also a demo with that kind of computer music, but with his vocals or would you guys just get that straight instrumental? Uh, it, it's, uh, uh, both. He's done both. And and not at the same time. Not like here's an instrumental and here it is with the vocal. But very you know, very often we would just get music. Yeah. Because that's honestly that's all we were really concerned about was the music. Okay. And then as a band with Al we would get together later and if, you know, we would we would then hear the vocals and and then, you know, we might work off the vocals a little bit. But in terms of just hearing the music, getting the foundation, that got us about ninety percent there yeah and then the rest would be worked out in rehearsal so this whole on all of al's originals you know it's a three-phase process by the time it gets on an album you know al al does a demo and then we get a copy of that and then the band does a demo so there's a band demo with al uh 
you know, that's, that's polished, sometimes pretty close to album worthy. And then we go in and there might be a little more massaging, but, but probably not. Uh, then we go into the studio and basically do hopefully what we did on the demo. I mean, a lot of times the demos, because there's not the pressure of, you know, uh Oh, we're, you know, now it's like costing money to record this. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's a little more casual and a little more relaxed, a little more natural yeah. to play. And, and, uh, you know, we're not kind of under the gun as much as we are in the studio, which is not to say we don't do well in the studio, but it's, you know, we'll record a demo in one take, you know, and we'll go in the studio and sometimes things take, you know, two takes, you know, or three takes maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're good at what we do, but the vibe is, is a little bit different. And sometimes the, the, you know, often, hopefully the album version is better than the demo, but there's times where the demo is really, really good. And this is a common thing in music. It's not just us or my perception. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's called chasing the demo. Hmm. You know, you go in and you try and, and record something as good as the demo. You know, if it's, if it's a completely instrumental, you know, with, with, you know, a band and vocals, you know, you've gone in, you made a nice demo. Now it's like, you got to try and make that better. And it, it's hard. You know, you listen to it and it's like, God, it just doesn't have the same vibe as the, and, and it's hard to put your finger on it. It's not like there's any wrong notes or anything, or it's not like anything's out of time. It's just, you know, there's just something. It's just a feel. And sometimes the demo is, is really good. And I would love, I would love to see Al put out uh, albums of, of the demos. Now, again, the demos are only the originals. We didn't have to demo the parodies because we know what we were doing. Right. There was really right. nothing to, to work on for those. We go in and and literally work on those, you know, we, we very often didn't rehearse them. We would just go in and play them for the first time in the studio. And, uh, but for the originals, there's, there's an Al demo, or there's a, at least an Al demo, but almost always a band demo of, I think, just about everything that had been on the albums. Wow. And, wow. and sometimes, sometimes some different demos. I mean, sometimes, you know, two demos. I mean, there were. There's the famous uh, story of of uh, Buckingham Blues, how that started out as the ballad of Chuck and Diane, you know, in, in three different John Cougar Mellencamp iterations before that got abandoned altogether and it became a blues song hmm. called the Buckingham Blues. Well, we have there. It wasn't a band demo. It was me with. Uh, uh, was it with drums? I forget exactly what the early demos were, but. You know, with accordion, of course, and and uh, I think there might have been there might have been some band demos of that as well. Anyway, I don't mm -hmm. think those have been heard at all by anyone. I don't know if they should be. <laughs> and, and actually, well, one of them, the very first one, would be a direct parody. So there is a home demo parody version of uh, Jack and Diane called the Ballad of Chuck and Diane. That's uh, well, it's in my archive and Al's archive and. And I think it's probably going to stay there. I do want to point out that Bermuda and I know you have listened to our long interview with Al. He did say that Dave and I have permission to listen to anything in your archive. So I want you just to remember that, and not necessarily us. Oh, he's played on the show. He's such a joker. What a what a kidder. What a joker. I have he cracks me up. He he is the funny one. I guess he's the funny one. <laughs> I have that saved to my phone, so I'll play it anytime you need reminding. Oh, no, I, uh, I, I, I heard, I heard him say that. I heard him say that. As soon as you heard it, it's like you start shredding the files. Like, all right, gotta get rid of some stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, we'll we'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't even listen to the stuff in the archive. I mean, I just you know it goes it gets digitized or whatever, and then it's it's filed away forever. Because <laughs> once I've heard it, it's like you know once I listen to that stuff go by, because of course it has to be archived in real time. You know, from tapes. You know, from the old days. You know, I would sit and I'd have to listen to the whole thing. And it's like, well, why have I saved this? Well, I just heard it. I don't need to save this for anything, but but I do. I did, and it's all in there. And and you know, Al has access to it anytime. And you know, some some of it's interesting to say the least. But uh, you know, but but this whole demo thing, it would be it would be very cool, you know. And I I have it all digitized and ready to go. I mean, it's uh, you know, Al Al would have to give the go ahead, and then I think Sony. Uh, I think would have to step in because they have the rights to those songs, not not the recording itself, but as far as the publishing. Okay. Uh, they're they they got their hand in there, so it's not it's not enough to say, well, this wasn't done on the label's nickel; it's ours. That's no, that's not quite. That's not the case on these. Not as easy so. as that. Okay. Now the ballad of Chuck and Diane, the original accordion parody, that's that's Al's. That's a different deal. Hmm. That doesn't exist under the label. So, you know, if if for some reason he ever wanted to release that, I mean, I could I could send him the file. It's ready to go. I'd have to get the go ahead from him. I mean, directly from him, not from some stinking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ethan and I are willing to go through the archive and listen to everything and pick out what we think would be best to be released. So we're willing to put in that work to help uh, narrow it down. Oh, I'm that just would be that nice. Okay, can you narrow down the the 797 photos first? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're willing to look at your photos as well and narrow those down to 796. I, 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 I hope you got a fast internet connection. That's going to take a while to download. <laughs> we can easily quit our jobs and do any of this stuff for you, Bermuda. Just let us know. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you this: this books, the photo stuff, and this archiving stuff, and all of that. It's a full time job. I mean, I'm not even playing drums, and I'm I'm as busy as I've ever been. Wow. Let us help you. <laughs> we'll do it. Okay. I'm, I'm home today. Come on over. Okay. We'll hop in the car. <laughs> oh, this is great. Bermuda, thank you so much for telling us all this stuff. You know, there's one thing I wanted to go back to with the tour, the, the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent ill-advised vanity tour now as fans we were treated to something really incredible which was stitcher put on a recording of every single show do you know if there's any sort of idea to release every show of the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent ill-advised vanity tour in a similar fashion sure I'll tell you the first off the, the name of the name of the tour is like our first song. That's that's like three minutes and thirty seconds right there just to say welcome to the unfortunate return. No refunds, you know. Buy a t shirt. Uh, I, I have honestly I, I have not heard uh if they're doing that. I and and also honestly, I don't know if if uh there's gonna be a sufficient number of song changes to really make that attractive. Um, I don't know. And, and thirdly, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know how, uh, how well Stitcher did on it, if it's something they would engage in again, but really, I, I don't know if uh, they're going to do it. If they did, that would be cool. I mean, I loved having copies of all of those shows, uh, loved having, you know, nice files, uh, 
of uh, all of the cover songs we did. Yeah. You know, way, I, I've got wave files of all of those shows. Uh, so, I mean, that, that would be cool. Uh, you know, I, I, I haven't heard yet though. Okay. Uh, you know, it would certainly be simple enough to do as it was last time. Well, I think you underestimate how much the fans want something like that. So if that's something that you have any say in and you can push Al on it or push Stitcher on it, we would love to get something like that again. Well, I, uh, you know, I, I would assume that they're in talks about it at this point, you know, not something I can bring up out of the blue. You know, they're, they're either, they've either thought about it or they haven't. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, if Al should ask me, you know, do you think we should push to have these shows released on Stitcher again, I would say sure. You know, if if for no other reason than Dave and Ethan would enjoy it, <laughs> absolutely. You know, I mean, I you know, maybe you were the only guys that downloaded those. I don't know. Right, maybe. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, in which case Stitcher would have to decide if that was really a, a wise uh, investment or not. But uh yeah, I, I don't I, I wish I wish I could tell you. I mean there's there's a lot of unknowns, some of which I actually do know, but that's one that I don't mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and whatever they want to do is fine. It honestly it doesn't affect what any of us do. Yeah. Uh, it's not like we get, get any extra money for being recorded. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I think Al paying us a hundred and a quarter per show, he thinks that's enough money. So <laughs> I mean, I don't do it for the money. I do it for the catering. The catering's really good. <laughs> guys on, these, on these, on a vegetarian diet, you know, yeah, there's not as much steak or fish or chicken, but the veggies are really, really good. And, and, and it's pretty, pretty healthy. If you do nothing but eat what Al eats, you stay in pretty yeah. good shape. So that's, that's why I go. Indeed. I, I just, you know, plus I like seeing the country on Al's nickel. Yeah. So, you know. In, at 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 three in the morning from a bus window, you know, that's, how, that's that's how we see the country. You know, that's awesome, Bermuda. Thank you so much for sharing everything with us, telling us all about the tour, your upcoming book, Mac Hine, and all the secrets therein. Uh, this this is, it's always such an absolute pleasure to, for us to get to talk to you. So. Thank you. We look forward to hearing any and all more details, and and uh, we wish you the best of luck on this tour, which I'm sure you'll be seeing us at quite a few of those events. Well, I, I hope so, and thank you for all you guys do for uh, for Al and the band and the fans. Well, thank you so much for joining us, John Bermuda Schwartz, and sharing all those great insights about the upcoming tour and all those great insights about your brand new upcoming book. Oh boy, I'm so excited we're getting a new book. We will absolutely have to bring Bermuda back on once the new book is ready to announce the anything, anything he has to announce. We'll bring him back. We cannot wait for that new book. And of course, we are all very excited to see Bermuda next year on the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised Vanity Tour. Ah, uh, yes. And it's that time of the year again. What? It's Wednesday? No. Well, yes, but... That happens a bunch. Dave, what I mean is it's the time of the year where families get together and celebrate. Ah, yeah. Family traditions. Well, Ethan, do you care to take us through your family traditions? Oh, well, of course. I'd love to, Dave. Well, I know a lot of families have similar traditions, so I'm sure our listeners will relate. How do you kick off the season? Well, as soon as the weather gets colder, that's when we all strap on our wolf-in-wool stylish no-caps. Ah, yes, as we all do. And then each and every night, a whole family gathers around the iPad and we watch 
each and every at SEB underscore SHEP TikTok video. It would not be the season without doing that every single night. And of course, then the patriarch of the family lights a fire and we all gather round as they read The Ruins of Our Past by Sebastian Shepard in its entirety. Ah, that sounds so delightful. So celebrate the season and head right on over to wolfandwool.com and follow at SEB underscore SHEP on TikTok to get in the holiday spirit. And this week's episode is also brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota uh, beautiful, it's also, dare I say, beefy. That's right. Darwin, Minnesota is home to Trouble's number two restaurant. Wow. I bet some of the items on the menu are, dare I say, greasy. Wait, did you say Trouble's number two? I sure did say Trouble's number two. And you know what local guide Wade Bryan said about it? He said, total remodel. Very nice inside now. Busy on a Sunday afternoon. Four stars. No, no, no. I don't care what local guide Wade Bryan said about it. Why would anybody name a restaurant number two? Oh, why? Because they're saying they aren't the best and they're just number two? Well, yeah. Oh, and because when you think of number two, you think of poop. Well, yeah, you get what I'm trying to say. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next number two expedition. Discover Darwin more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each and every single week, we are able to bring you our podcast absolutely free thanks to our sponsors, Burrito Burrito, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, and David Grant at wolfandwool.com. And thanks to our amazing close personal friend, Patreon supporters, Adriana, Allison, Blair, Frank from the Bank, Jake, Jared, Javier, UH Jeff, Kenneth, Scott, and Zeb, and thanks to Aaron and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly weekly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch or by picking up some pretty stinking majestic official Dave and Ethan's 2000inch Weird Al podcast merchandise over at shop.2000inch.com. They make great Christmas gifts. Don't forget to grab your copies of Black and White and Weird All Over and check out our special bonus episode book series where author John Bermuda Schwartz walked us through the book page by page, picture by picture, inch by inch, centimeter by centimeter, MC by MC. It's the best. Our intern Frank tells us he's busy working on the final two episodes. That's right. I said final two episodes. And he'll post them on our Patreon as soon as possible. Our Patreon family also recently got to hear secret episode number 23, where we try a soy decaf hazelnut latte live at the Coffee Bean on San Vicente Boulevard and give our thoughts on the experience. Remember, only Patreon family get to hear secret episodes and only Patreon family get to hear all bonus episodes early before the public cheapskates. We always love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans, so please join our family. Facebook community and post about Weird Al by visiting group.2000inch.com and we also love it when we receive voicemail via our official 27 hour a day podcast hotline 347 spatula. Give it a call and you might even hear your message in a future episode. 
for everything about our podcast, including incredible past episodes and guests, be sure to visit weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com and make sure you keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you all for subscribing and leaving reviews on your favorite podcast app. You want to make sure you subscribe because not only does it help out our podcast, but you never know when we might drop some breaking headline news. Thank you once again to our guest, John Bermuda Schwartz. Also, thank you to Bob Groder, UH Jeff Nucera, Adrian Vasquez, Jeremy Samples, Jason McDonald, Ed and Kathy Conway, Chad Kelson, a.k.a. Metal L, Jackson Scoggins, and the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for calling in and for our incredible podcast theme song. And thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thanks to all of you, our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters, and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you for choosing Dave Nathan's 2008 Weird Al podcast. And until next time... Remember to gill and chill. You know how Bermuda mentioned that he has all the band demos ready to go just on the off chance Al ever decides to release them? Yeah, that would be so pretty sick and majestic. Well, I was just thinking about it and I was trying to figure out which band demo I would most want to hear. Oh, I already know. It is pretty obvious. I would absolutely love to hear one of those band demos of the Ballad of Chuck and Diane. Well, that would be pretty great, but... I feel like you'd be kind of outdated at this point. You know, they'd probably have to update it to reflect, you know, current times. Yeah, that is a good point. I mean, it is almost 40 years old at this point. So did you have anything in mind? Hmm. If only there was like a modern day duo that Weird Al could sing about. You know, maybe a certain, you know, Weird Al podcast duo. Or I don't know. I got some ideas. Oh, I got it. The obvious choice would have to be... The Ballad of Dave and the Tarantula. That was Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 137-inch. I'm a little kitty. Meow, meow. What if the bass drum just says... Black and white and weird all over. What a stupid thing to say. What a what does that mean? What is black and white and weird all over?